You're listening to the Pharmacy Podcast Network. Welcome to the PsyQ Podcast. PsyQ is a free community and online resource library for mental health. Our podcast's goal is to share information, increase collaboration, and foster ongoing discussions that will lead to improved mental health care and patient outcomes for individuals with mental illness. Each episode provides scientific, evidence-based, educational information related to mental health, featuring thought leaders dedicated to improving mental health care together. Learn more at www.psyq.org. That's psyq.org. Hello, PsyQ community, and welcome to today's discussion on technology and adherence to pharmacist perspectives on applicability and implementation. Today's podcast is sponsored by OTSCA Pharmaceutical Development and Commercialization in Lundbeck. My name is Patricia Roman, and I'm from the OTSCA's Medical Affairs team. And today you'll be speaking with Nate and Megan. Nate? I am an Associate Professor in the Department of Pharmacy Practice at the University of Connecticut School of Pharmacy. I received my PharmD at the University of Sciences in Philadelphia and board-certified psychiatric pharmacist. Thank you so much, Nate. I'm Megan Arrett. I am an Associate Professor at the University of Maryland School of Pharmacy in Baltimore. I obtained my PharmD from the University of Toledo in Toledo, Ohio, and completed my training at the Lewis Stokes VA Medical Center in Cleveland and a pharmacogenomics and psychopharmacology fellowship at Nova Southeastern University in Fort Lauderdale. I'm a board-certified psychiatric pharmacist, and I very much look forward to having a discussion today about medication adherence. Thank you, Megan. And to begin that discussion, it's really valuable to start off with a definition of what medication adherence is. As defined, it is the extent to which patients take medication as prescribed by their healthcare professional. Non-adherence is a huge clinical problem for many of, of health professionals. It is particularly challenging in conditions of mental illness. And this is ex- exemplified by a, uh, a number of non-adherence rates of 51 to 69% non-adherence with major depression, 30 to 60% non-adherence with schizophrenia, 57% with anxiety disorders, and 21 to 50% with bipolar disorder. So non-adherence is a significant problem in patients with uh, mental illness. So it's really something for us to have great attention to and be very concerned about. Now, non-adherence to medication is associated with a number of clinical, economic, humanistic concerns. First of all, patients are not stable. They're not receiving the medication to its fullest effect. And so there's concern around risk of relapse. There's concern around symptoms reoccurring. Also, if the patient is not clinically stable, it can increase the need for hospitalization, ER visits, and so forth, and additional office visits. So this can be quite expensive. And as noted, non-optimized medication therapy, which is essentially related to non-adherence, 
is costing $528 billion annually in the United States. So if we can make a dent into the medication non-adherence problem, we can clearly save a lot of dollars and improve patient lives. The next slide is to really try to understand all the different contributing factors related to medication non-adherence. For example, there are patient-related uh, causes for medication non-adherence. Patients may have negative attitudes towards medications. It could be cultural. They do not believe that medications are needed to treat an illness. There are attitudes towards medication that come from family members and others saying that the medication is not needed or necessary. So there are a number of negative beliefs around medication use that really affects one's decision to take their medication as prescribed. Therapy-related concerns. So this is around the relationship between doctors and patients and pharmacists and patients. There could be poor communication, and this can contribute to medication non-adherence. Patients may actually decide not to take a medication because they're concerned about their connection with their prescriber and the prescriber's attitudes towards the patient and so forth. Disease or medication-related factors. So, for example, sometimes the medications have side effects. The regimens are very complex. These are two really key disease-related or medication-related concerns. The side effects can be debilitating, can be uh, affecting quality of life, and again, reasons why a patient may decide not to take the medication as prescribed. Regimens can be, you know, two, three times a day in some cases, and that could affect the patient's willingness to take the medication as prescribed. Then there's this whole host of concerns around healthcare system-related concerns. This could be socioeconomic factors such as ethnicity, race, have been concerns around patients not taking medication as is prescribed, access to pharmacies, access to prescribers, so forth. All of these are factors that can contribute to uh, non-adherence. One of the biggest concerns is around insurance coverage and whether someone has adequate insurance cover and they can cover the co-payments related to their medications. So these are all a part of the concerns around healthcare system concerns around medication use and that affect one's decision to take the medication as prescribed. Nate, as you're talking through those various scenarios, I recall very many different patients throughout my career who we've encountered each of these, you know, that they may get started on a regimen, but when they go home, their family doesn't believe in that, so they discontinue it, or it's too challenging for them to, you know, deal with all of these different vials throughout the day, and I need to take this one and three times a day, but this one twice a day. And and so this is a very good detailed description of a lot of scenarios that pharmacists will deal with on a daily basis. Sort of moving to talking about how do we measure, how do we capture medication adherence, which is really critical for us to really understand the extent to which someone is really following the regimen as prescribed. And so there are several tools out there. Many of these tools have been around for a long time. and they're basically put into two main buckets. One is indirect methods, which is essentially methods where you're 
you're not able to directly observe the medication use, but it's not, it's implied. So for example, it could be from patient report, it could be from uh, refill records, it could be from counting the number of tablets left, so forth. And these will all be described in the next set of slides. So we will talk about them in greater detail. And then there's the other bucket, which is direct methods. These are biological measures and they are observational measures. These are measures or methods that are essentially going to be where we can have more objective data about whether someone is taking the medication as prescribed. Clearly, if we can have direct measures, that will really be very helpful in understanding uh, the patient's medication use. We will start with self-reported measures since they are one of the key measures that we commonly use in clinical practice. And here we have two key areas of, uh, actually there's three, um, but they're all kind of related and it's essentially getting the patient's report of their medication use and all kinds of other aspects and we'll talk about that in a moment. So interviews and diaries. So that's asking the patient to document in a consistent fashion uh, their use of the medication. Now, clinicians might do this by just asking an interview type question, you know, in the last seven days uh, or in the last month or in the last several months, how many tablets have you um, maybe skipped or missed? Um, that could be one example. Or they could say, here, go home, and you know, here's a calendar, and please note when you, you, you took your medications, when you didn't, and so forth. Or here's, you know, keep a diary. Now, clearly, this is inexpensive. It's easy to use, um, and it's easy for the patient to see when they're not taking it. And it can really support electronic monitoring, which Megan will get to in a little bit. Now, Limitations, these are significant, depends on patient recall. So if you're asking someone to go back three months ago, that's a long time to remember to take your medication. So that can be a little challenging. Also, there is sometimes self-report bias. That's basically someone saying that they took it when they really did not take it. So that can be the overestimate. Also, one of the challenges with self-report is getting a patient motivated to literally every day record that they've been taking their medication as prescribed. So that's another challenge to patients is that motivation. Some people are diary utilizers and some people are not, and it has to do with their interest in doing that. The advantage of questionnaires and scales is they are often validated. They are fixed items that are assessed. So there are a set of questions that are pre-planned and that the patient responds to as they complete the instrument. And you can get at all kinds of barriers and concerns in a systematic way. So for example, you could have a section that is exploring their beliefs about the medication. Do they really think that they need to be taking it? What are the benefits that they see in taking the medication? Again, these can be you know, Ligert scale items, or they can be open-ended questions. Clearly, when you have a close-ended instrument, patients are more willing to complete it. When you have open-ended questions, you learn so much more about the issues and the concerns. However, 
individuals often don't want to take the time out to answer those open-ended questions. Also, you can really explore all kinds of concerns around side effects, their goals of therapy, so forth. So you really can capture a lot in a systematic way and administer it every so often in practice. It's fairly easy to use. You can really explore some deeper reasons for the non-adherence. And again, many are validated. However, again, in some cases, depending on how the question's asked, so forth, there may be recall concern. There may be an overestimate of actual medication use. Again, you're not seeing the patient taking it so they may over-report their use. One of the other concerns around questionnaires and scales is some of them are copywritten and some uh, cost money to use, so one really does need to check that out before they uh, use the scales in their practice. In the next slide, we sort of talk about the third area for self-reported measures, technological tools, and this has really grown in recent years. There are some comprehensive analyses and meta-analyses looking at the use of mobile apps in medication adherence. These e-health approaches are really quite valuable in actually patients going on their phones and recording that they've taken a medication, answering particular questions about their medication and side effects and so forth. And the neat piece is that often can automate it. Reminders can be sent out to remind the patient to take the medication. And so it can serve as an intervention as well as a measurement tool. And also you can use the technology and artificial intelligence to push out supportive messages about taking the medication and seeing the benefit of their medication. So many of these tools can also be used to help the patient self-monitor their condition along with their medication adherence. Quite powerful in the area of medication adherence work to actually show the patient, hey, by taking this every day, look at how much you've improved your symptoms. So putting all of this together, you know, there's great value for the pharmacist in terms of using these questionnaires and surveys to consistently identify behaviors that can contribute to medication non-adherence. These e-health tools can be used to help the patients manage their conditions, their uh, psychiatric illnesses, by tracking their symptoms and any side effects, and then bringing this data forward to the clinical team and actually improve the problem-solving process. Megan, I think I will then lead it to you. Thank you so much. I'm very interested a lot in the applications and, and how those are utilized with our patients. Sometimes I think some of the struggles that we still see are patients having access to a smartphone or that technology and being able to do it. So I think it's important for pharmacists to think about if some of that may not be available, what are some other things that are readily available for us as pharmacists to use? So when we think about what we have access to electronically, pharmacy refill records are at our fingertips, whether we're in a community setting or a hospital setting with an electronic medical record. It's very easy to go into that record to look to see when medications were filled, what the medication possession ratio might have been, you know, how many medications pills did the patient have, how many days were they supposed to have it, how many days were they potentially without it. And this is really easy to generate reports in many of our community pharmacies do this on a regular basis to help push out those text messages and phone calls about reminders for refills. 
I think some of the concerns seeing you're filling prescriptions at different pharmacies, it can be challenging then to track that in some level because we don't all have access to every system at this point. And additionally, we're making assumptions that medications are being taken just because they're being filled. And as a practitioner, definitely know that patients will pick up medications and when they get home, they may not take them, but they want to appease their pharmacist or appease their physician potentially by picking those up at the pharmacy. So without actually witnessing it, sometimes that's a challenge. Additionally, insurance records are very easy to look at as well. They help provide great long-term data, and this helps when people are accessing different systems because we have one record of everything that they've used. Sometimes the quality of data can be a little bit challenging depending on if medications were returned or if people paid cash for some, or if they were in and out of the hospital. Sometimes it's hard then to track all of the medications they've been taking. And again, we're making assumptions that just because the insurance paid for them, that the patient took the medication. But this is definitely a first step. And I think a lot of us are beginning to use these a lot more to really help detect non-adherence. We're looking for gaps in patients' medication use or gaps in care in identifying where another medication may be valuable to add to the regimen for a patient. And really, we can help ensure that patients have refills authorized. So I know many of times working in various settings that the patient doesn't realize when they took their last pill on a Friday night that they don't have refills for that medication. And given how important a lot of these medications are to preventing relapse, it'll be good for pharmacists to really ensure that they have that next refill or we can get them the coverage they need until their next appointment. Megan, if I may add, one of the neat roles for a pharmacist is the notion that by looking at these refill records, or if we're in systems where there's insurance records available, the neat piece is that we can actually identify a potential gap and then share these potential gaps with the clinical team. Because sometimes patients come to the physician and there's the assumption that the patient is taking it when in fact they are not or there may be gaps, and that may change the clinician's judgment as to whether they want to increase a dose or decrease a med, because at the end of the day, if the patient isn't taking the medication as prescribed, it's really hard to say that it's you know a matter of efficacy or it's a matter of side effects. It really, we need to know that they're actually taking it before we make a clinical decision. That's an excellent point. A lot of the research does demonstrate that clinicians and prescribers believe a lot of times that patients are taking medications when they may not be. With what you discussed with some of the interviews and diaries and that recall, sometimes they may just say, I I never miss a dose. And so it's very valuable role that the pharmacist can play on that team and bringing that information forward. The other things that we can do that are very simple may be pill counts. So we ask the patient to bring back the number of medications to the pharmacy when they're coming to refill. So bring your old vials back and we can look to see how many pills are still in them versus how many should have been taken. We could do this if we did blister packs have them bring those back. If we have monthly pillbox, we have them bring it back so we can refill it. And then it's very inexpensive and easy for us to count back how many pills are left versus what they should have taken. I've seen some limitations to this of, you know, at the end of the month, they just dump out everything that's left. It really could be inaccurate if people refill things early, if they mix bottles. There's a lot that can happen there. Things get lost. It becomes a little bit cumbersome when trying to back count tablets as well. Things can get mixed up when you're switching 
manufacturers. There's a lot of things that can happen here, but it is a way to physically count back what wasn't ingested. Megan, I would also add that it's very time consuming for the pharmacist to be doing this. I mean, for one or two individuals that they're particularly concerned about, that may work. The other piece is a brown bag efforts where you're asking the patient to bring a brown bag of all their medications. You could then maybe explore if there's unused tablet to kind of just talk about why they were not used, whatnot. But it is a really time consuming. And, and where we see a lot of pill counting done is in countries where they do not have insurance records in other places because this is a really valuable tool for them to determine non-adherence. But I think you bring up a lot of great concerns around pill counting. It, it's a value, but probably for particular conditions. It also is very nice as it allows us to see if medications have been discontinued if the patient is still holding on to those, if there are other medications or over-the-counter medications that the patient might be taking as well by having them bring everything in. But you're right, this is very limited in scope as to how much time you may have to invest in that activity. The technology, if we added it to the pill count, we could use some electronic monitoring devices. And this could be embedded in pill boxes. It could be embedded in caps. So we're monitoring how often the patient is opening their cap to potentially take a medication out so it records when the pill bottle or container is open. This is easy because it allows us then to get a report of how many times the pill bottle was open that day. It allows for some accuracy in looking at, did they take it at the right time? A little less invasive. It is expensive. Those caps are not cheap. Pill boxes are not cheap. It's hard to move sometimes those caps to other bottles. And so you're really constrained by making sure that it's on the right one. The battery life of those, again, adds to that. And essentially, you could have a patient opening the bottle at all the right times, but still not taking the medication. So there are some limitations, but it, it does allow for another mechanism for maybe family members or caregivers if they have concerns to be able to get that information sooner rather than later if they notice a pill bottle has gone unopened for a long time. If we move to the second step of adherence, so more out of the observational kind of methods, but really get into these really hardcore objective measures, our best measures sometimes are just measuring the concentrations of medication in blood or urine. And this really provides evidence of whether the medication was actually taken. The struggle being the patient variability. Many medications at this point, when we look at psychotropics, we don't have great concentration to efficacy ratios or concentrations, even how much of the medication the patient should be taking. So it's hard for us to really think about if they have this level, we know that they've taken all their medications. You know, could they have just taken their medication right before they came to get their blood drawn? It is invasive and expensive. This requires a trip to the lab. Having that blood or urine drawn may take some discussion with the patient and making sure that that all happens. And Megan, related to the variability, I would imagine genomics and what we're learning around metabolism of these drugs really is an important variable to the variability that we're seeing in the serum concentration. Yes. And when we think about even pharmacogenomics, we have to think about not only the medication, but are there active metabolites that we would want to be looking for further down the road? And so when you're ordering that, making sure that you understand the metabolism of the drug so that you know if there's any additional things that need to be ordered as well. And then making sure you have access to the lab to be able to do those specific draws. There are new things coming onto the market. There are medications that have embedded digital ingestion sensors that can be used to record and monitor medication intake. And so these really look at 
having a little bit of a sensor inside the medication. And so that sensor, when activated by gastric fluids, would then communicate with a patch or an electronic device that's worn by the patient. And then that sends a signal to a mobile phone, which runs through an app where not only can the patient, but healthcare providers and other family members and caregivers can also view summary reports of when medications would be ingested. And so this provides another mechanism, again, to get quick time data for actual medication ingestion and allows for some follow-up more intensely than just looking at records or inquiring from patients. And it also allows everyone on the team to be more involved in knowing if patients are taking medications. When looking at other observational measures, recording and observing patients taking their medication is probably the most efficient way to guarantee someone's taking it, but it can be very time intensive. It's nice when you're at the inpatient unit you have everyone there and you're doing those mouth checks and making sure that they actually swallow their medication and you can record that they actually did take it. But in an outpatient setting, this really is not ideal. You can't have everyone coming in every single day for all of their different medications. But in certain aspects, this might be something that you would consider. Other technology tools may be wearable sensors to detect actions such as bottle cap twisting, hand-to-mouth movement, pill swallowing. Sometimes there are new applications that look at the patient takes a picture of their medication or they take a video of themselves taking the medication and then that gets loaded into a system as well that helps track for reports to be printed as to when those images weren't uploaded or that movement wasn't seen. It requires a lot of thought process, a lot of ability to remember to do all of these things and have that technology available for that. And if they're like me, frequent battery charging and making sure that your phone is charged and that you have the right Wi-Fi and the internet and all of those things are working sometimes maybe hinder some of that role. But if there are particular patients, we do have concerns about direct observation, may be an aspect that we might consider. And so, Nate, I'm going to turn it back over to you to really hone in on some of the strategies for pharmacists and what we can really, as a profession, get involved in. Thank you, Megan. And this is one of two slides where we really want to focus on you know, strategies, interventions that pharmacists can perform with patients to improve their medication use. One thing that we really are learning a great deal about is how the role of the pharmacist and how it can both in the community mental health centers and also actually even in the community pharmacies can really have a great impact on medication adherence and improving health outcomes. And there are a number of studies, literature reviews, and so forth that personally I have contributed to as well as many others in the profession. And essentially we have learned that pharmacists can have a significant role in improving medication adherence and improving other health outcomes and quality of life. So in this slide, we're really wanting to note that pharmacists can actively collect medication adherence data. And why this is valuable is that they have those refill records or potentially insurance records. And that data is so valuable because primary care physicians and other members of the clinical team often don't have access to that information. And so that actually really can be helpful 
in giving some information around the medication use. It doesn't tell us everything. It may not actually reflect use. One can go and pick up refills and not take them, as Megan mentioned. But really collecting it using the questionnaires and the surveys to identify reasons for non-adherence can really be valuable to the team because this will actually help the team maybe change drug therapy to something that would be more valuable to the patient to recommend medication adherence tools that can actually be valuable to that particular patient. So for example, pharmacists may learn that a patient really likes technology and then they would say, well, would you like to download this app and see if it is of value? Another patient may say, well, they don't like those technology tools, but they really love calendars. So then the pharmacist can help the patient using a calendar and actually following up on that calendar use or that app use and so forth. Because pharmacists often see patients much more frequently than healthcare professionals and others. So this is just a great opportunity to track the adherence and the clinical outcomes. Assessing the patient's motivation. Pharmacists have, across the nation have learned so much about patient motivation, and many have been trained in motivational interviewing, where they have learned to understand patient barriers and enabling the patient to see the value of taking their medication for themselves and seeing how they can create change within themselves. So that's really valuable. And if you learn that a patient has low motivation, then really trying to figure out what it will take for that patient to become more engaged in their drug therapy is quite valuable to the team. And most clinicians tend to view pharmacists as the individuals that are focused on drug therapy and have the skills around drug therapy management. Therefore, there would be this potential assumption that we will really be the ones doing this with the patient. So our opportunity is out there to really carry out what most members of the clinical team think that pharmacists might already be doing. Also, implementing a patient-centered plan to help patients improve their medication adherence rate. Again, this whole notion of patient-centeredness is critical to a medication adherence action plan where you really are finding out what is of most concern to the patient. Maybe they don't want to experience a particular side effect, and getting that information really can make sure we pick a drug that might avoid that particular side effect. So these are really valuable considerations that a pharmacist can collect and actually document and monitor. So again, we have a real opportunity out there in the community and other pharmacists, care centers, the settings to actually make this impact. Excellent. I think as pharmacists, we play a large role, as Nate said, in seeing the patient much more frequently than the clinicians may see them. And during these potential interventions, there's a lot of education that we can offer as pharmacists beyond what they might get in a visit from a clinician. Really thinking about the expectations of medication therapy. Sometimes patients may not understand the importance of this medication is going to take several weeks to work. And so unlike an antibiotic, which is going to make you feel better in the next couple of days, this one's going to take a lot longer. And really, I think offering that information upfront is vital to getting patients to stay on medications long enough to see those expectations. So being able to offer this education and provide it not only to the patients, but to caregivers is really important. Within that expectation discussion, it's important to integrate the side effects that the patient can probably anticipate happening. Those that, you know, may be very upfront, these are the ones that are going to happen quickly, but they tend to dissipate over time, or these are the ones that we're going to be looking out for, and really incorporating how the patient 
can actively treat those side effects. If there are things that the patient can be doing at home that will help them continue to take the medication, I mean, being able to follow up with the patient on those is important. As pharmacists, when we're dispensing medications or we're selecting medications, it's important to think about the affordability. Nate mentioned earlier that insurance coverage and the ability to pay copays is an important aspect of adherence. And as pharmacists, we're in a prized position to be able to recommend to the team something that may be more affordable to the patient. If the patient has a preference for not taking a medication every day, or if they are someone who typically forgets, recommending long-acting injectables is always one of the things that I very quickly put on my list. And being able to describe that type of mechanism to a patient and being able to provide those is really important to increasing adherence. Other simple things that we can do as pharmacists, automated refills so that medications are ready, we're aware of when refills are gone, making sure the patient doesn't have to come every day to the pharmacy. I know it's very challenging. Prescriptions are written at different times and for different quantities at different times and trying to synchronize that all so that the patient comes once or twice a month and is able to receive all that medication at the same time can sometimes be so much easier for their perspective in filling pillboxes or blister packs. Arranging 90-day supply if someone is far from the pharmacy or struggles with transportation, that this could be an easy fix for them. And I think it's important to keep in mind there is no single solution to the management of non-adherence. And as we've sort of talked today, you almost have to take a piece from each one of these different interventions to really focus on that whole team approach and the whole patient care approach when you're thinking about non-adherence. And so it's looking at insurance records or looking at refill history. It's just talking to the patient, talking to the team, offering tools and solutions, providing education, and really looking at that multidimensional approach to improve adherence instead of just choosing one approach overall. I think our patients value the opportunity to interact with us, and we offer a lot of great potential resources for this very problematic issue within psychiatric care. Okay, thank you both, Megan and Nate, for your insights on the technology and adherence. And Psyche community, I hope you all have a great day.